The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as those who serve, who were eyewitnesses from the beginning and ministers of the word have handed them down to us. I too have decided, after investigating everything accurately anew, to write it down in an orderly sequence for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may recognize the certainty of the teachings you have received. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the squirrel, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him he said to them, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. So, before we dive into these amazing readings, uh, just a couple of announcements. I'm sure many of you saw me walking up, uh, walking up here limping. I've re-aggravated this injury that I've had on my toe for. I've had this injury for years now, and it keeps coming back. And so, uh, so it's, it's, that's why I got my fanciful boot on. So that's what happens, re-aggravated. And I have no idea how I, how I did it. You know how it is when we get old? You just randomly wake up and your body just hurts. What did you do, you ask? I went to the kitchen. That's what I did. <laughs> and so I don't know how I reaggravated this thing. And so it's just painful. So call me Father Gimpy from here on out. Huh? But uh, thank God my doctor is sending me to a specialist because this, this fractured bone is just not healing. So that's hence, ergo, therefore, my bone. <laughs> so praise God. Praise God in all things. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And secondly, if you notice, we walked in, and it's like this in Portola as well. We received a package from Long Valley Elementary School in Doyle. The kid, elementary school kids made handmade thank you cards to the parish. And so if you remember, we, were, we raised, gosh, uh, uh, over $40,000 from our fire relief fund. And we sent that community, particularly in Doyle, about $15,000. And so the school themselves received thousands of dollars worth of gift cards from us. And so, amazingly, the kids wrote thank you cards. So there's some up there in the window. We'll put them out for a while, so if you want to check them out. And also in Portola, they're over there as well. 
One of my favorite uh, cards, one of the kids wrote, thank you for being in the fire. I was like, hmm, I guess we were in the fire. Our pants were on fire. Liar, liar, pants on fire. So praise the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered, what is God like? Have you ever pondered that question? What is he like? What is his nature? What, what, is, what is the deepest core of who he is? What is he? Every human culture that has ever existed, ever existed, from the very beginning, every culture, every people has had some notion of who God is. It's always been an attempt somehow to answer that pivotal question. What is he? And this is where the power of Christianity comes in. Christianity maintains that in the sending of Jesus Christ, God has spoken. God has revealed the depth of his, human, of, of his, of his divine heart to humanity. In Jesus Christ. That's the fullest revelation of who God is. In one of the most powerful stories, that I've ever heard in my life. I'm not saying that to be hyperbolic. It was a story of a particular man. Does the name Rudolf Hess ring a bell to anybody here? Rudolf Hess. I see some, some nodding here. So that there's some World War II nerds here. <laughs> Rudolf Hess was the commandant, the commander of Auschwitz. So if you remember, recall, back in World War II, their final solution that the Nazis did to exterminate all the Jewish people in Europe. They had a system of concentration camps all throughout Europe. And the biggest of their concentration camps was just outside of Krakow, Poland, in Auschwitz. Rudolf Hess was born in 1900. Born in a little town called Baden-Baden. If you go to Baden-Baden today, in fact, it's known for its natural hot springs. So you go there today. In fact, it goes all the way back to the Roman emperors. That's where the Roman emperors would go to their hot springs. And so Baden-Baden is a tiny little German town in southern Germany. And it's, and it's, it's a cool little place. Born there in 1900. While he was there and growing up in Germany, growing up in Germany, he was swept up in the fervor of the Nazi party. It's hard for us to imagine, but Hitler was an amazing orator. It is said that people who would attend his rallies, he had an intoxicating ability to take a crowd and and to build them up and and, and to to just do whatever he wanted with them. He had that that, that ability to move into thousands and thousands of people. If you watch videos of him, if you go on YouTube, just Google Adolf Hitler's rallies. He had a powerful effect. In 1927, Rudolf Hess attended one of these rallies and became hypnotized by Hitler. He joined the Nazi party. And during the Nazi party, you had to renounce your Catholic faith if you wanted to be a part of them. You see, 
like every other tyrant, they all understand something very particular, whether it's Nazism or communism. They all understand, if you want to change a people in a country, if you want to move them, you have to destroy the Catholic Church. That's the kind of hold it has, Catholicism has on, on Western civilization. You want, you want to move a people, you destroy the church. Remove it from their hearts. Then the, the people become malleable. In fact, Hess grew up in a devout Catholic family and he wanted to become a priest. Renounces his faith after this rally, joins the Nazi party. And immediately Hitler recognizes his brilliance. Extremely intelligent, cold, and calculating. And so in 1940, recognizing his brilliance, they appoint him as the commandant of Auschwitz in order to make the murder of the Jewish people more efficient. The gas chambers of Auschwitz, the infamous gas chambers, is his gift to us. When he was finally arrested after the war, during the Nuremberg trials, what the Allies had created, they said that whatever Nazi generals and leaders we, we capture, we will send them back to the countries where they committed the crimes against humanity. So that was the system that the Allies had. They, whatever Nazis they would find and arrest, they would send them back to face justice in their country that they did the worst. He is sent back to Krakow. And it was determined during the Nuremberg trials that Rudolf Hess, one man, was responsible for the death of three million people. Three million people. One man. Can you imagine the generations, the countless generations that was affected by it? It's, it's almost astronomical. We can't even wrap our minds around it. So here he is now, Rudolf Hess, arrested. They sent him back to Poland. He's not afraid to die. But one thing he did say that he was afraid of was torture. Here he is now. He's been shipped back to the same place where he killed people. And so he's terrified, am I going to be tortured as well? But then something amazing happened. Because Poland is a devoutly Catholic country even to this very day. It is fervently Catholic. And when he arrived there, this is what happened. Quoting from his diary, which he wrote in prison. In the Polish prisons, I experienced for the first time what human kindness is. Despite all that has happened, I have experienced humane treatment which I never expected and which has deeply shamed me. You see what just happened here? He's going back to, to Krakow and he's fearful that the Polish, prison, <coughs> Polish guards will torture him to death. But the Polish guards are devout Catholic and they remember the words of Jesus Christ. Remember what does Jesus Christ tell us? Love your enemies. That is not a sentimental notion, is it? Because what is the natural reaction that we have? If somebody tortures us and kills our families, what do we do? What's the natural reaction? I hate you. I hate you. And I want to hurt you. 
That's the natural human reaction. Christ takes that and says, no. Love your enemies. This act of kindness of these Polish guards who were fervent Catholics, who remember the words of Jesus Christ, put that into practice. That melted his heart. 1927, it's a good Friday. Hess is awaiting his execution. They had built gallows. Gallows, it's a wooden contraption where they would hang people. And he was sentenced to death by hanging. And on Good Friday, just a few days before his execution, he's sitting in, in his jail cell. And in the distance, he hears the bells ringing of a Catholic church. Which, by the way, which is why I'm adamant about ringing our bells here. <laughs> oh, poor people in Portola. <laughs> I ring those bells because I live there. I ring those bells like crazy. Every morning after Mass, we ring the bells. At noon, I ring the bells. Before Mass, before the 8.30 Mass in Portola, we ring the bells. During consecration, we ring the bells. After people leaving Mass, we ring the bells. Oh, my irritated, my, my neighbors complain about it. But I don't care. <laughs> One of the reasons why I do this. Because here's Hess, sitting in jail. Here's the distant bells. Immediately that triggers the memories of his Catholic upbringing. Turns to the guard and says, I want to go to confession. Can you find me a priest? Sadly, they could not find a German-speaking priest. But then another memory comes to Hess's mind. In 1940, when he was still in the heat of the war, when he was still the commandant of Auschwitz, he had all of the Jesuit priests for the Jesuit order in Krakow arrested. Again, remember, go back. If I want to destroy a people and, and, and to change them, I got to destroy the church. Same, same playbook all the time throughout history. Destroy the Catholic church, you, you, you're able to, to, to change a people. In 1940, as, as he arrested all the Jesuits in Krakow, he shipped them off to Auschwitz, save one priest. For whatever reason, God's providence, he was out and about, maybe, who knows, grocery shopping. Father Vladislav Lone comes home, all the priests are gone. He hears that they are all shipped to Auschwitz. Father alone, oh man, this priest, he breaks into Auschwitz. Who breaks into a concentration camp? Of course, the, the, the Nazi guards find Father alone, and they take him to Hess. Hess is utterly amazed at the courage of this Catholic priest. He says, what are you doing here? This is what Father alone said. I want to die with my brothers. Kill me too. Courage of this priest. Rudolf Hess is so impressed with his courage, he sets him free. Now jump back. Hess is about to be executed, looking for a Catholic priest, a German one that speaks German. And he remembers this priest's name, he writes it down, Father Vladislav Lone. Can you find this priest? 
amazingly, this priest is still a chaplain in Krakow. Father Lohan immediately goes to Hess. Can you imagine this confession? Here he is now, this priest, hearing the confession of the man who killed his brothers. Could you imagine the conversation in that confession? Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I have killed three million people. After he, after he made that confession, he made a public profession of his Catholic faith again. Because remember, he had publicly denied it when he joined the Nazi party. And whenever a Catholic does that, in order to come back to be reconciled to the church, you have to make a public profession of, of the faith. We do that every Easter, by the way. And we baptize the baby, we do the same thing. Same profession of faith. The next day, Father Long comes back. And this time he brings Holy Communion. Rudolf Hess received our Lord in the Eucharist. And according to eyewitness testimony of the Polish guards, the moment Hess received our Lord, he collapsed on the ground and began to weep like a little baby. The butcher of Auschwitz comes back to the faith. My brothers and sisters, this is the heart of God right there. It's almost as if Jesus is taunting the devil. Not even Rudolf Hess can you have. You can't even have him, you devil. I will do everything in my power to get my son, Rudolf Hess, back home. My mercy is so big. My heart is so merciful. But not even the butcher of Auschwitz is capable of turning my heart away from him. My brothers and sisters, this is the heart of the God that we worship. So now when the devil turns to each and every single one of us, and oh, he's good at this. He'll whisper into our ears, you are a horrible person. You are a sinner. I know what you did. You don't need to go to God. You got to run away from him. Don't open your heart up back to him. No, do not do that. Whenever you hear these voices of, of the devil trying to shame you and I, I want you to respond with two words. Rudolf Hess. Because <laughs> nobody in here is as bad as Rudolf Hess. Oh, now do you see why in this beautiful gospel? Jesus now in the synagogue, what does he say in that beautiful moment? He's reading a, a text from the prophet Isaiah. Look what Jesus says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives, Rudolf Hess was captive. 
And Jesus says in response at the end of the gospel, today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. That is who God is. <laughs>